You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with two amazing guys, John Christenberry and Peter Waits. Now, they are with CBR Group or CBRE Group. And uh, let's tell you a little bit about them. They are a Fortune 500, S&P 500 company headquartered in Dallas, Texas. They're one of the largest commercial real estate services and investment firms in the world, You've probably heard of them. Uh, They have over 100,000 employees serving clients in more than 100 countries. That's crazy. Um, (laughs) John and Piers are here uh, with CBRE's uh, tenant representation group, uh, serving as their strategic advisor, lowering real estate cost, occupancy risk, while maximizing workplace flexibility and productivity. They are here to, uh, to talk about that, learn more about them and their brand, and you might be the largest company we've ever had on with 100,000 employees. That is wild. But thank you guys so much, John and Pierce, for joining us on this episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast. Thank happy you, Brian. Yeah, happy we're happy. Uh, it, 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 and it's it's wild because we're such a big company, um, but we're entrepreneurs at the same time. We, in a commission-only role, we have to build our own business. Um, and we have the backing of a big corporation and CBRE, which is a great company with a, a ton of great resources, but it all comes down to us and our work ethic and our network. Um, it's no different really from what you guys have built in an incredible brand. Thank you, man. Appreciate yeah. you saying that. Same yeah. level of CBRE. That's what we do over here. <laughs> <laughs> we would love that. Like you said, it's an amazing brand, and uh, we're thankful for you guys uh, being here with us. And and uh, thank you for your time. And we're looking forward to learning more. So, how did you get started in this world? It seems like if it's, you know, if it's commission only, and you're coming into a fresh new role, and how, how do you get going? And how do you, you know, sort of get by that time where you might not be really making any money? You know, it, it's scary. Um, so I made the career move in my late twenties, um, to, um, leave, um, my industry, which was surgical sales and go into commercial real estate. And everyone thought I was insane because I was making good money and everybody, you know, surgical sales is glamorized. And I was living down in Charleston at the time. And, um, I just had, friends and also uh, mentors that were doing it and what really like triggered me was doing a ride along where you're riding around um, with a broker and he's telling you hey that's going to be a a whole foods um, one day and that is going to be a new office tower and you know this retail's going there and I was like wow that's really cool you're helping shape the city and so that's why I wanted to do uh, and get into commercial real estate, but I trust me, I, I saved up because I think my first year I made fourteen thousand um, dollars. So going from like a, a nice <laughs> fifteen, yeah, <laughs> you guys were crushing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's why you don't see a ton of people flocking to get into it because it can be painful for a year, two right. year, three years, um, and. Uh, if you grind it out, then it's going to work itself out. But it's just like start. It's like starting any new business. That's right. You don't pay yourself when you start your new business, and then hopefully you build up something special. And 
I think we've arrived at something special. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my story is a little bit different. Um, grew up over in England, and um, we have a family business in construction and property over there. So, you know, dinner table conversation was always around the built environment. And I remember driving around London with my dad, and you know, much like John said, he'd point out sites around London, say, you know, we built that. I remember that was the first project that I managed, and it's such a tangible industry and asset. Um, you know, that really resonates with me. And I uh, after university, I traveled for a year and ultimately ended up in Charlotte, married my now wife. Um, uh. But I moved here without a job, knowing that, you know, real estate in some shape or form was where I would end up. Um, and actually got connected with John and the team and, uh, you know, learned more about what tenant rep is and, and uh, just seemed like a great fit with my skill set and personality. But, uh, you know, we don't really do commit full commission roles over in England. So <laughs> that was a really foreign concept to me. And Definitely took a little bit of time to get over, but the more I learned about, you know, what the role entailed and just kind of um, seemed like a great fit. And, you know, I was fresh off of a year of traveling with no money and no budget. So I figured now's a pretty good time to <laughs> yeah. give this whole commission thing a go because I just did it for a year and I think I can carry on and buy myself Nowhere some to more go time. but up, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the way I felt about <laughs> this place. <laughs> yeah. I just got to get started, right? That's right. That's it. That's it. Dude, absolutely. That's fascinating. So you guys, obviously different backgrounds, but now you've kind of merged into a team. You guys support each other, um, obviously help each other. Now, do you guys, are you guys on a team where together you're making that sell or are you guys individual as well? And how does that kind of commission structure work? Because I know there's a lot of people in the sales world you know, we look at it this way. Like if you're a commission rep, like if you don't sell and work hard, then you don't eat, right? Like it's not something that you can just sit back on and be like, oh, I got my salary. Like I'm going to, it's five o'clock. I'm going to roll out, right? Like it's long days. It's making it happen. If something comes up on a Saturday or Sunday, like, hey, I got to make it happen because it might be the difference between getting paid for the next couple of months or not, you know? So tell us a little bit about how that chemistry works on your team with CBRE and how you guys work together specifically from a partnership to support each other and, and really grow the business. Piers is the fish to my chips. <laughs> <laughs> the bangers to the mash. <laughs> uh, how many times have you said that to me? That's brilliant. The that's the first one, but that might be in the next pitch. Dude, oh, that's yeah. brilliant. It's the name of this episode. Is, he's my fish to my we, chips. We got that's a new tagline, new marketing oh, opportunity. We won't say who the mushy peas are. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, um, we, we have a killer team. Uh, we have a team of eight brokers and Piers and I um, worked together previously at Cushman and Wakefield, our, our last employer. And um, I told him when I left, you're my number one draft pick. I, I want you <laughs> over here. And um, just, we have very complimentary um, skill sets and also push each other. And that's what's so fun about um, working together as a team and, when we go into to meetings, it's like if I ask a, a question, then he thinks of something that's totally different and it just comes off natural. And that's um, the beauty of like how we go in and advise our clients on these multi-million dollar real estate decisions um, is that you're getting multiple perspectives. I'm almost sad to say it, 10 years older than peers. Um, and so... Um, you know, he is uh, smart and educated as he is, he's going to have a different perspective than 
somebody that's in their late 30s. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I go back to your question there around, like, the dynamic, right? And I think that we both push each other, which is great. Um, and there's that sense of if he's working, I got to be too, so that, you know, if we're sharing in fees and stuff that, you know, I'm not just living off of his work and he's not living off of mine. And so it's this kind of cyclical um, you know, situation, which is awesome. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I think at the end of the day, you've also got to love what you do. And I think we both do that and have a, you know, a real passion for the industry, which just makes it that much easier to, to get on the laptop on a Saturday morning and keep things moving to go out and do that client dinner in the evening when, you know, all your other friends are at the bar having drinks together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, we love it and uh, it's a great thing. Are you guys mainly focused on Charlotte and this region or, or beyond? Yeah, we, we, we do both is the answer. Um, so we work with occupiers here in Charlotte um, advising on their real estate, but equally we have national global um, clients and we advise as a single point of contact on all of their real estate needs. So um, to take the, the American term, we're kind of like the quarterback within CBRE in a lot of ways. So we act as that relationship person um, and understand the client's needs and challenges. And CBRE is such a massive platform. There are so many different service lines. Our job is one, being very knowledgeable on the market to be able to give good advice, but also understanding what does our company have to offer and you know what are the value add service lines that would be appropriate to these particular situations and challenges and knowing who to bring in and when to bring them in. Yeah, it, that's the beauty of a big firm like a CBRE is that we have a look like there are guys like us and girls like us that are in every single city and like every single country in the world. So like right now, for example, we're wrapping up a lease extension for um, a client of ours in Hong Kong and we're um, selling a manufacturing facility in Paris outside of Paris. So that on top of just doing, you know, there's an office building down the street where our clients are looking to purchase. So it's um, it's pretty cool because we get to see how real estate's done across the world too. It's not just like specific to Charlotte and learning and understanding the trends that are happening in all these different markets because they're wildly different too and how they operate. So do you guys have like 3 a.m. Zoom calls? You know, with your in the <laughs> what, what, we, we what's just, the strangest time you've had to have a meeting? I, I, I call me selfish, but if, <laughs> you, you control know, that. Yeah, yeah to, a certain, to a certain degree, I, I, I think the the Hong Kong and um, like our Australia, like those um, meetings that are ongoing right now, we decide whether it's going to be n- like eight or nine a.m. our time or eight or nine p.m. like. Um, our time and then it's you know it's subsequently on like the other side of the world right like morning so um those 9 p.m calls aren't fun because i'm an old man i normally go to bed around like 9 or 9 30 <laughs> but uh we'll do it for the client if we love them yeah <laughs> look so i want to jump into some cool projects that you guys have done but before we do that i want to go back you guys before we went on air spoke about one of you being an optimist one of you being a pessimist And I think it's really important for not only the culture, but the dynamics of the team to have differentiating viewpoints. Um, And really, even if you are similar, there's still characteristics that are different that you can bring to the table, right? Um, I look at me and Scott, we're very similar, but there's a lot of things that interest Scott that 
I'm interested in or maybe not as interested in. There's things that I love that maybe he likes, but he's not like totally in. When we go into meetings, it's the same kind of thing, right? There's things that I'm thinking about and the direction we're going, we can run off of each other, right? And yeah. and come up come up really with the solution of what the client is looking for. And I'll be in a meeting and Scott will bring something up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think yeah. about that. That's brilliant, right? And I'm not saying that in the meeting, but then I'm like, yeah, we're going in the right direction. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but tell us about how that plays to a team because having an optimist and a pessimist, especially working on global brands global scale when it comes to real estate is very important, right? You have two optimists and they're like, this is going to work out. It's going to be great. We have no problems. Then problems come around, right? So tell us how that works, how you guys kind of play that and who's the optimist and who's the pessimist. Or maybe bull or bear. Yeah, bull or bear. Yeah, the bull or bear. Let's say, what's that one? Well, so I I think one of the interesting things that, you know, we're talking about, um, the office world has, has, has had so much press this past year, right? Everybody's trying to figure it out. And, um, I think there's an interesting dynamic about people trying to fi- figure out like what's right for them. Um, the, you know, what's nice is that we can kind of keep each other in check there um, in terms of how we're advising the clients. I think that we're both fundamental believers that, you know, the office is, is valuable and people will be coming back to it um, in some shape or form, but understanding, you know, how, how do I commit to that? You know, how much lease time am I going to give? What's the capital expense? Um, those are all questions that come around and, and that's where you end up with this nice medium of perspective around, you know, where is the right middle ground for this client in particular? Um, so that's my two cents on it. Yeah, I'm the bear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that, um, especially when we start talking about office and you know, people going back into the office, it's it's going as the economy is trending to where it's trending right now. Um, it, it, all the executives and prim- that's primarily who we deal with: our business owners, CEOs. CFOs, um, a lot recently CHROs, so your chief human resources officers, because real estate is so important to, they want the office to have that sense of home and inviting, um, and all of them really want their employees to come back into the office and start kind of creating and adding to the culture that they have. Um, And it's just a matter of the employee not having the ability to say, I'm going to go walk down the street to another company that will let me work from home. And it seems like with all, unfortunately, but fortunately for the office world, with all the layoffs that are happening, that's shifting. Yeah, it's shifting a little bit to where now you're starting to read, you know, uh, not only like Twitter with Elon, but now like the companies that don't have the outspoken leader are doing that too. So um, I I think it's just going to take time, but. Um, it's it's heading in the right direction, right? I think the second part of that, right, is real estate is inherently local and it's market driven. And you know, when we look at, you know, we we have a global perspective in what we do, but equally, like we said a minute ago, we do a lot of work here in Charlotte, and this is a great market to be in. And there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about that. So, yeah, just look at the cranes around the city. I mean, I've been here since 2010. It blows yeah. my mind. You just drive down South Boulevard, you look at South End. There was Max Barbecue and a train. That was right. literally it. Right. Ice House, I'll give you a shout out. You used to be yeah. there. Um, oh, yeah. Old school. Yeah, yeah and Zillow school. just ranked Charlotte yeah. as number one That's real right. estate market in America. Yeah, right. for right? 2023. Now, is that that yeah. might be residential, but it all kind of ties in at it, some point, what, right? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, companies are moving to where the talent is. Right. And that, that, that shift of residential people coming here, that, that's talent to employers and it'll follow. Um, you know, you mentioned the cranes there. I always think that's an interesting comment because – 
people who aren't in our industry comment on it a lot. And they say, why are people building office buildings right now when nobody's back in it? And we've seen a really interesting shift um, that I think was happening pre-COVID, but that's been accelerated over the past two years, which is a massive flight to quality. And actually, it's not the new buildings that people should be concerned about because that's where everybody wants to be. They want to be in South End in these new sexy buildings um, for their employees to have this incredible experience. It's the the suburban Class C stuff that's you know, obsolete. Like that's the stuff that that people should be concerned about. But I always find that an interesting comment around the cranes and kind of how people's uh, perception of it changes. Well, and also that's those deals were done three or four years ago, right? Mm-hmm. When you actually see the crane in the building, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or is that kind of the timeline? Because there are some lengthy timelines yeah, in your absolutely. industry, Absolutely. Rezoning right? that goes into it. And yeah, I mean, it, it can, there is lead time for yeah. sure. Yeah. I want to mention on, um, so we, we do a lot, or we, we have a lot of good friends over, you know, at Alfred Williams. And I remember yeah. when we went through COVID, you know, for our business, it was really personal selling, right? It was coming into our showroom, creating that relationship. And then COVID happened. And it was like, you know, our whole brand was built on you coming into our showroom, experiencing it, getting to meet us, right? And we feel very confident that if you come in, you, you get to see our idea board, you get to, you know, see who we are. And, and, and most of the time people choose to work with us, right? And it's not because we have the best price or we you know, or this, it's really more about the relationship, right? It's about they like us, we like them, like let's support local, like all that's great. But we were a little worried, you know, for a little while, but me and Scott had these conversations and, and we just believed that it was going to happen, right? And through that, Scott, you know, took the the jump and, and purchased this building that we're in and, and said, you know, I, I think it's going to come back. And we were kind of on the forefront of that, but then having conversations with Alfred Williams, it was really interesting to hear not only will the office space go away, but it's how it's designed, right? So the designs mm-hmm. in these big buildings is no longer, let's put a bunch of office space. It's more about, let's have multi-use, let's have entertainment, let's create an environment that our employees wanna go to work, but they might not even have a desk, but they have all of these stations set up that they can work. They've created this environment that they can bring in clients and they can entertain. And you go to some of these offices, I'll use Little Engineering as an example, yeah. is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. it's in a high rise, you're like walking around, you're like, I didn't know you could cut through the literally the floor and right. create like this. Story I mean, it's unbelievable, yeah. right? Unbelievable. So have you guys seen that as well, where really the dynamics of the design around that office are changing? Because like you said, especially younger people in their 20s and 30s, they want to have a cool space. Like I love coming to work because I feel like I'm at a home. Like I feel yeah. like this is... Oh, it, this is it's great so space. nice, right? Like, yeah. it, Thank you. And, and that's the cool thing about it. Like it makes yeah. it exciting. So when you show up to the office, you walk in, you're like, Got a cool ass job, man. Yeah. You know, like, and that's kind of the good vibe you want. So I just yeah. love your perspective. Is that how big corporations are thinking? Like, we need to make not only have a space, but how we design it is super important now. And that's changed so much over the last three years. Highly critical um, to success if you're going to actually, if you're going to make the investment and go sign a multi million dollar lease, and then on top of that, invest millions into construction and furniture and everything else, then it has to be so appealing that your employees want to come back and we've we've got a kind of a great example we just moved from uptown into south end a month and a half ago and we have totally unassigned seating um and for us that was like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah what (laughs) wait a minute yeah hold on (laughs) and we we had a a 30 year old vet um or 30 year vet um who she was just like this isn't gonna work um because we have 100 seats for 150 employees because it's supposed to be fluid right Mm -hmm. and 
the um, way we've designed our space is so cool. We have two outdoor patios. Um, we it there's music playing when you walk in. It f- looks like a coffee shop or a hotel lobby type of feel where there's like plant life and there's like your espresso machine and all that's like right there when you walk up. And the goal is to make it not look like an office. You want it to really be somewhere that is warm, inviting, and a place where I'm going to feel like it's just like going to Starbucks or somewhere else, like a cool coffee shop. Um, And that's the way that space is trended. And then you plop that down in the middle of like an awesome neighborhood where there's like killer restaurants and bars to walk to during lunch and after work. You know, that's the recipe for success right now. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think there was already a paradigm shift happening pre-COVID and there's, you know, this is across a lot of industries. People can talk about, you know, what was pre-COVID, how it's accelerated, but the same is true here to where, um, you know, the reason you come into an office now is to create energy, to collaborate, to, to build culture and relationships with people. So there's definitely been that kind of shift away of, I can sit in a spreadsheet at home on my own and be head down. So when I'm coming into an office, it's because I want to be energized and I want to be around people. So let's create more of those spaces and be intentional about, you know, what is the reason for having an office? Um, so yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned that and and sports played a huge role in my life. And one of the biggest things when you ask like ex-professional players, and let's just use the NFL as an experience, it's not necessarily going out and playing or seeing the fans. What they miss the most is the locker room. Right. And what do you have in that locker room? Exactly what you just said, creating energy, collaborating, creating that type of culture. And that's what they miss the most. And I think a lot of companies that do this work from home, you're losing and missing out on that culture. You're missing out on that opportunity for these people to connect on a personal level. And then when you care about somebody that's your employee, it's a lot easier to go, you know, into the trenches with them. Right. It's a lot easier Mm -hmm. to have difficult conversations. Whereas let's use an example, just email. Everybody wants to sit in their email. I tell our employees all the time. If there's a problem or it sounds like there's a problem, let's please call them, right? Yeah. Like, let's have a conversation. So many people are utilizing technology and they think it's fantastic and it's great. Like, look, I do a lot of Zoom meetings now. I never would have told you, like, I would have even wanted to do Zoom meetings. Right. But now it's added another dimension to what I can do, right? I can connect with people mm-hmm. on a more personal level that could be anywhere in the country. So that opens up kind of our portfolio of who we can provide for. But at the same time, I want to meet you, right? Yep. I want my team in here. I want to work with you. I tell Scott all the time, like, I need my people. You know what I mean? I can't, my, my kids have been yeah, sick this week. I don't do well week. sitting No, man, I, yeah. I was at home this I'm week working with being. my kids. Yeah. We're sick and I'm working and it's just not the same vibe. I love my kids, yeah. but I also love coming to work. I love yeah. being here. I feel like when I'm sitting here and I'm with my team, it's like I accomplish so much more yeah. and you just, I don't know, I feel we great love about to hear it. it. So yeah, yeah, right. well, it's, yeah. it's going that way. Yeah, are you guys seeing the ones who failed to make any changes from an office standpoint and, and they're trying to get their people back in that they failed to redesign or, or keep up with this trend. Are you seeing them starting to close doors or have, have problems in that arena? I think, I think that, you know, what's been really interesting is the labor market is mm-hmm. so tight right now that, you know, the office isn't something that you can really pull people back to or sorry, push people back to, you need to pull them. You need to dangle carrots and give them reasons. And so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I think it's going to take more time to play out to really see that, but that's definitely the way things are trending. And, you know, employees have that choice now. And if they're going to go places, they, they want to go places that excite them. And, and, you know, it's, it's pushing employers to do exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. We're having clients that are telling us that just productivity 
has like started to wane, whereas they were very bullish before on just either, hey, let's get rid of the office or we're going to significantly downsize. And now they're like starting to see that, all right, that, that when you were kind of holed up and you had to be holed up because of COVID, yeah, you're you're working away 24 hours a day. But now it's pretty nice outside. Yeah. I'm going to go for a walk. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do in like my virtual hours, you know, so. You know, another yeah. thing I've, I'd mentioned about that, and this is what I think is super important. You think about how many people have changed jobs in the last three to four years, right? Whether mm-hmm. somebody's looking for a completely remote. One thing that I think if you're a business owner, you should be concerned about is if I was a remote only employee, it's a lot easier for me to leave you, right? Yeah. I can just send you an email and be like, peace, found a new job. Right. Absolutely. A lot more difficult if I'm coming into an environment, creating relationships, and now I have to go face to face and say, Scott, I'm leaving you. Like what? Yeah. Right. Like, you know, totally different, right? So I'm not saying that you're, you know, going to put these people in jail and they'll stay with you forever. <laughs> but you think about this remote work, people are jumping left and right right? Yeah. They're getting dangled that carrot and they're gone. And if I'm just sitting in my, in my home office, well, nothing changes for me. Right. I got Nailed a new it. company. Yeah. Oh, well, $5,000 I'm, I'm on to the Same next desk. One. That's exactly you know, whether that's good or right. But like, yeah. if you have them coming into the office, they're creating a relationship, they're creating the foundation and you start to build off of that. So I've yeah. seen that a lot. I mean, even some of my friends who have jumped around, I'm like, dude, your resume, like, I hope this sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I hope this works out. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a second layer to that, right? Which is that once you go to that new job without having those connections, and I, I have friends that have done exactly this, they've gone into these remote jobs and they have no direct access to senior leadership, to mentors, and they don't know how to do that job. They become frustrated and so they leave again. Yep. And there's just this musical whole chairs. Yeah. Eventually the music stops. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and you have nothing. That's You've right. just bounced around and you have nothing. Right. You have yep. no foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That's exactly it. Like, and, and whoever wants to hire you next sees that. They're not going to hire you. Right. <laughs> they look too like, loyal dude, right now. No <laughs> loyalty whatsoever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, tell us about, like, we've got major headwinds. It sounds like, you know, all the talking heads are getting a little bearish these days. Tell us about what some of the challenges you see uh, coming uh, from a development standpoint, capital markets, interest rates. Um, we could talk a little bit about that because I'm really interested. Lay it out. Let's see. Let's hear it, boys. Do you want the bull or the bear? <laughs> I, I, honestly, I want I want both because as a team, yeah. you know, you guys bring a lot of value. It sounds like, yeah. uh, and we can do the short version if, yeah, if there I, is one. But I'm I'm the short term pessimist. Um, the debt markets have a lot more loan maturities this year um, than ever before, and then next year there's more than that. So. When you think about where interest rates have gone and where um, if anybody was using like a floating interest rate for a loan um, and they their loans come due, well, that they probably locked in at, you know, 3% interest rate. Price now doubles. it's six. Yeah. Numbers just don't add up um, and unless you had fully leased a project. Um, so we're starting to see the cracks on the commercial side, but it's it's mostly with those older buildings where they haven't been successful leasing up. So I think you're going to see more and more news um, of key, um, you know keys going back to the lender um, and foreclosure and and all that over the next call it year year and a half. Um, but you know on the flip side, hopefully 
and 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 the bull world. Hopefully, more employees come back in the office, and then there's more office demand that helps ease some of that. So, I think for the next, you know, if if I'm, I don't, I don't think there's anybody that's out there proactively buying office buildings right now. Right, but. You know, there might be somebody who six months well, from now. Well, at some point they go on hits sale, a jackpot, right? right? Yeah, and, exactly. and maybe that that trend shifts, and, right? And it's it's valuable real estate, exactly. Somebody right. has an opportunity for upside, right? When I think that's, yeah. I think kind of going back to your first question, I, I think the key is around inflation, right? Once we get that under control, which depends who you're, you know, what what metric you're using right now. A lot of people would say inflation, you know, has plateaued. And that's key, right? People can start to underwrite that into how they go about pricing, what it costs right. to build, and that gives you predictability to be able to make decisions. Right now, it's still um, moving, and the moving target doesn't help anyone, whatever business you're in. So I think that's the kind of the key component. And you know, based on what what we're reading everywhere, is that should happen middle of this year, and people will start to get more comfortable and go back to decision making and taking action. So I think that's that piece. But going back to the the kind of um, giving the keys back to the lender and opportunities to buy. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and reading lately. It's really the start of this year, these first few weeks around what happens with functionally obsolete office buildings and repurposing them for things like multifamily. I think that's a fascinating conversation and topic that is very nuanced, has immense challenges around you know the floor plates of the physical building. They're not ideal because you don't get natural light to parts of a condo. You've got to pull plumbing everywhere. There's... It's such an interesting topic, and you're also talking about buildings that are not desirable. So if people don't want to be in office there, do they really want to live there? Yet, you know, so th- that's a topic that I'm really interested to see how that plays out this year as people become more educated about it. Um, and ultimately, I think it helps the fundamentals of the office market. You know, If you get rid of some of the supply, then it, it balances that supply and demand and, again, will support the long-term fundamentals of the office market. Are you guys getting creative on malls? <laughs> Like in suburbia markets, like where, where the Roses was or the, where, you know, these old Piggly Wigglies that are just sitting there now. Yeah. We, um, what's happening there? Anything? We have, <laughs> we have a client right now um, in Arizona and they are looking at space, which is an old mall. It's, they've turned wings of it into office space. They've created kind of retail amenities within the building. So yeah, I think there's creative ways to repurpose it. Um, it, it takes a, you know, an inventive mind, but when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, absolutely. I want to um, jump into something a little bit different, but you guys, and, and specifically this is to, to John, but, you know, peers as well jump in. You know, you've done a lot of stuff, and, and really I think companies now, their commitment to their community, their commitment to giving back is really important, especially for for younger people coming out of school. You know, you think about when, when I graduated, I'm 38, when I graduated, it was get a job that has benefits, 401k, you had to go to college to be successful, and that's all you cared about, right? Now it's, you know, they, they would take a paycheck that was less if you were an organization that gave back more or you were committed to your community. And it seems like CBRE does a great job of that. You know, John, specifically with you, you've done a lot of stuff with Boys and Girls Club, Salvation Army, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, and, and a lot of others. Tell us how important that is to both of you and then really how CBRE, you know, helps you out to support the nonprofits that you do. But from a global standpoint with your organization, have you guys seen that, t- that trend really? Is it something that is important to your culture? And we'd just love to see how from a personal standpoint and a professional standpoint, how you guys go about that. Yeah. Uh, on the personal side, um, I grew up like on free lunches as a kid and with nothing. And I remember my mom even um, would take us to do like 
uh, even in that situation, my mom would take us to do like the angel tree wrapping, um, at the mall and like we volunteered for that. And so my mom kind of instilled that as a kid and is honestly commercial real estate is what got me deeper into giving back, um, to the community. So I, um, when I first moved back to Charlotte to get involved, the guy who runs our office, um, uh, or ran the office at the time, Steve Gashaway, he was, he was a big advocate of it. Um, and it's interesting to see how much, uh, like focus that is within the commercial real estate sector. It's in highly, highly, highly encouraged to get involved. And those organizations, I had different reasons for why I've volunteered and been a part of them. But if you're not giving back, then I, like everybody has, you can find the time. Like, you know, I, I view it of you get on this world and you leave it a better place than you found it. Yeah. And that's the motto I've stood by. And I think CBRE um, for, does a great job um, promoting that internally. There's committees that are, are specific to doing nonprofit events, whether it's Habitat for Humanity. I mean, I feel like every month or every couple of weeks there's some type of event to raise money or volunteer um that comes from our office so it's an instilled value with the company too but it's very very important to me love that man yeah Yeah. well i think you know interesting because we were at um the core awards last night for the cornet carolinas chapter which is a big commercial real estate thing and john actually spoke about this at the event you know just saying how as an industry, we do an incredible job of giving back to the communities that we are so heavily involved in. You know, we have your building right. in a lot of ways. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, with that comes disruption to communities and it doesn't matter how you give back, but we're we're changing the world in which we live in in the physical way. And, and people love to give back and, and getting engaged in those communities that they are physically impacting. And, you know, my perspective coming from the UK is that it's it's a global thing. You know, it's exactly mm-hmm. the same in London. The commercial real estate or the property sector, as we would call it over there, um, <laughs> does exactly that. You know, I, I grew up always seeing my dad getting heavily involved in, in, in that sort of stuff. And so I think it's a wonderful part of our industry um, that we should be really proud of. It's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I love it. And you guys are, are fantastic. You know, John, I didn't know if uh, if you were going to be able to top your wife um, on the podcast. <laughs> I, she's cooler she, than me. She, she, is, she is a doctor. Mine is, is a, too. She yeah. is a doctor, so she did a good job. But no, man, you guys yeah. did awesome. And, and uh, you know, really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast, learning more about, you know, your organization. I love how you guys are driven to be successful, but you know, we are blessed to have so many amazing people on the podcast in the Charlotte area. Me and Scott talk about this all the time. You know, it's just, it's fun and it energizes us to know that there's two people like you out in Charlotte, not only, you know, working to, to better really the world from a global standpoint from your work, but what you guys do, you know, outside of that as well. And, um, I, you know, it's been fascinating over the five and a half years who we've gotten to talk to. And I think the one thing that sticks out is like everybody can make a difference, right? And it doesn't matter about how much money you have or anything, just get involved, whether it's time, whether it's promoting something, you know, via social media, even just liking and commenting, sharing those stories with, with others is what's important. And Charlotte's a very unique city that has that ability where large organizations can get intertwined and connected to smaller nonprofits and, and make a big difference. And we've seen that with all the people we work with in construction and groups that we're members of like Carolina Built. 
and the amount of money that they've been able to raise for all these organizations, it, it's, it's baffling. Like it's literally like you sit there and you get the number and you're like, man, that is amazing. You know, yeah. and none of that had to happen. Right. But everybody made it their, their point to do that. And we went to Ronald McDonald house with, you know, 30 people in the, in the construction world. And we spent the whole day, you know, just cleaning and just inter, it just interacting. It was just an incredible time. So overall, awesome. I just really appreciate you guys as people, um, but what you guys have been, been doing. And, and I think this is just the beginning, man. We, uh, we look forward to following the journey for sure. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you having us on. We're humbled just knowing who you've had on. You guys have an amazing podcast. So thank you so much. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. It's been a pleasure. Love it. Love awesome. it. Well, Thanks, guys. Pierce, congrats on getting married. Thank That's you. awesome. Thank you. Um, I did I this interesting That's fact awesome. before we let you go. If you're in England and you get married, men do not wear rings. So oh. that is traditional. It's true. That was a tough conversation so, with yes. my now wife. Yes. But she's, uh, I will she's not live in America now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. But a lot of people still look at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> uh, love it. Well, uh, John, Pierce, thank you, thank you guys so much. Uh, we appreciate you guys being on here. Like we always say, please like, share, comment. Um, give them a follow. If you have any needs, please reach out to them. If you guys want to get connected, you can reach out to me and Scott. And uh, just appreciate the time. And uh, until next time, you guys have been listening to this episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.